and some of us are down. But the beauty of being able to come together with people um, that really don't have any pretension or ulterior motives to try to get to know you, to try to get something out of you, the beauty of it is that if you're in one of those low places, then the ones that are up can kind of meet you in the middle and kind of encourage you and kind of you know, give you a hug or give you something to think about that maybe changes your perspective. And it's a cool thing, because I don't know about you, but when I'm in my down places and I go through them often, when I'm going through the down times, the worst thing for me to do is to be by myself. The worst thing for me to do is to isolate myself or not let other people into my space. Now, it's kind of funny because the last thing I want to do is to let you into my space when I'm in a down place because we all got pride and we all got egos that we wrestle with and we don't want to let anybody else see the real us. And unfortunately, when we're down, that's the real us a lot of times. And so it's really cool to be able to come together with other people who are all over the spectrum at different times. And so if you're down tonight, then my hope is that you will leave and be a little closer to up as a result of being around us. And if you're really up tonight, I mean, like, you're in a really good place, then keep it to yourself for the rest of us that are kind of in the middle, right? So, <laughs> the last few weeks we have been looking through Scripture and talking about all the different verses that talk about this amazing concept about God's glory. We have found some really, really cool things about this idea. We've discovered as we've looked at Scripture that that God's glory, really at its core, is a reflection of God. It's a reflection of His creative ability. It's a reflection of the reality of who He really is. We live in a world that is continually trying to suppress the glory of God. It's continually trying to push down the reality that God is real. Our society tells us all kinds of lies that we believe. Our society tells you that if you want to be happy, that you need to be rich. Our society tells you that if you want to be happy, you need to be famous. Or you need to be able to do all the things that MTV and, and pop culture tells us is important. And all of those lies that we are influenced by, they suppress the truth about God. And when we look around, things stop making sense to us. Things look like chaos. Things look like they're out of control. And in that, we say, God, where are you? We don't see God in those day-to-day -day circumstances. And God's glory is really what it's all about. As a matter of fact, in Scripture, there's a verse that we've been going over week after week, and it says, everything comes from Him. Everything come from, comes from Him, and it exists by His power and is intended for His glory. Everything. That means when we look around the world around us and we see the beautiful, we say, God, that's awesome, that's you, that shows your glory. But then when we look around the world and we see the horrible, we see the tragedy, we see the pain, and we say, God, is that really you? God says, even in suffering, even in pain, even in tragedy, I'm going to show you that I'm there too. And we talked about this idea that for many of us, our world, the way it sits today, does not make sense. We look at our world and our circumstances and we say, if God is a good God, then how come I can't pay the bills? If God is a good God, then why did my father abuse me like he did? If God is a good God, then why am I addicted to these things and this substance or these things in my life? If God is a good God, where is he in all this? And we talked about this concept of what it would be like to go into, watch a movie, and come in 10 minutes late. And how we would not have a clue what the movie was about. 
our plot would be totally screwed up and we would have no context and we would be going the whole time. This movie doesn't make sense. That's how our lives are sometimes. See, we find ourselves in the middle of God's story. And sometimes it doesn't make sense because the story is not over yet. But as we learned in, in the last couple of weeks that there is a day coming when the Bible says that Christ is going to come back for His church, the bride of Christ. And when we meet Jesus and we come together and that relationship is completed, the Bible says that everything will make sense. Everything that today we question, everything that today we just look at and go, there's no way I can understand this. God says in that moment it will become crystal clear to you. And what is hidden will be exposed. And the Bible says that every wrong thing done, every unjust thing, everything that we look at in our life and go, that screwed me. God says, I'm going to make it right. I'm going to make it right. That fills us with hope, right? That tells us that we may be living in a day right now that doesn't make sense, but the story's not done. At the end of the story, God is going to show us how this all plays out. And that fills me with courage that I have to trust God with my day-to-day -day circumstances so that I can see His glory. Last week, we talked about this crazy idea that God showed us love before we ever needed it, before we ever asked for it, before we were ever created. The Bible says that He looked down and He said, I see you and I'm going to love you ahead of time. It was preemptive. It was the kind of love that only comes from God. And it had nothing selfish about it. Tonight we're going to talk about a different way that God shows us His glory. A different glimpse of God's glory for us to see tonight. In Romans chapter 1, I want to read you a few verses of Scripture. In Romans chapter 1, it says, This letter is from Paul, Jesus Christ's slave, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach His good news. This good news, the gospel, was promised long ago by God through His prophets in the Holy Scriptures. It is the good news for the gospel about His Son, Jesus, who came as a man, born into King David's royal family line. And Jesus Christ our Lord was shown to be the Son of God when God powerfully raised Him from the dead by means of the Holy Spirit. And through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them. Look at these words. So that they will believe obey Him, bringing glory to His name, so that they will believe and obey Him, bringing glory to His name. The glimpse of God's glory that I want to see with you tonight is the fact that the glory of God is revealed through a life that has changed. The glory of God, the reality, the truth of God can be revealed through a life that is being changed. It's amazing to think about. But when you and I look at ourselves and we see the journey that we're on with God, we know we're not like we used to be. And there's only one that can get the glory for that. It's either you or God. God's going to get the glory for your changed life. In the Bible in Mark, I want to share a story with you tonight in chapter 9 of the book of Mark. Kind of an interesting encounter that Jesus has 
with uh, some people of his day. Jesus has just gotten done having a, an intense experience with, with God and, and with John up on the mountain. They've gone up and they experienced God's glory in an unbelievable fashion. And they had come down from this experience. And in verse 14 it says, At the foot of the mountain, they found a great crowd surrounding the other disciples as some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. The crowd watched Jesus as he came toward them and then they ran to greet him. What is this all arguing all about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and he said, Teacher, I brought my son for you to heal him. He can't speak because he's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this evil spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground, and it makes him foam at the mouth and grind his teeth and become rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you until you believe? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and the boy fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was very small. The evil spirit often makes him fall into the fire or into water, trying to kill him. The father said, have mercy on us and help us. Do something if you can. What do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. Well, the father instantly replied, I do believe, but help me not to doubt. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. He said, Spirit of deafness and muteness, I command you to come out of this child and never to enter him again. The spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and then left him. The boy lay there motionless, and he appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd and said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet, and the boy stood up. Now afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, Jesus, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? And Jesus replied, This kind can be cast out only by prayer. I want to ask you something. Kind of an odd question for some of you, maybe, but have you ever really believed in something only to find out there wasn't what you thought it was? Have you? Have you ever been involved in a, a relationship with somebody, thought you knew them, only to find out that they were somebody that they didn't appear to be? You ever been involved in a situation where you trusted somebody or you got involved in something because other people said, oh yeah, this is a sure thing. I know a lot of people who have been in certain situations in their life where they thought they knew what they were getting into. What we're going to find out later on. No, I didn't have a clue. The reason I ask you that tonight is because this story of Scripture, it demonstrates for us two things. It demonstrates for us the difference between belief and unbelief, faith and doubt. It shows us that there's two sides to everything. It shows us that some of us find ourselves on the side of really not believing. 
others find ourselves on the side of believing in something wholeheartedly. See, this story is a crazy story when you think about it. This boy's father brings his child to Jesus because he's heard that there's a miracle worker in town. He's heard that there's a guy that can finally bring some relief to his son, who from the time he was a little boy can't talk and can't hear. And he knows that it's not a medical condition. He knows that it's a spiritual condition. The boy's father says, my son has a spirit in him. It's tormenting him. Can you help? And he comes to Jesus' disciples because Jesus isn't around. And we don't know exactly what takes place with the disciples and this boy, but we know that they can't get the job done. We know that they cannot cause this spirit to leave this little boy and bring him relief. And so Jesus comes into the situation and he says to the father, What is going on? And the dad says, Just like I would, Jesus came. Helpless. He says, do something if you can. And Jesus says to him, anything's possible. And the father answers with such, just, it's just a beautiful response. He's like, okay, okay, I believe, but you got to help me with my doubt. you got to help me with my unbelief. See, the father demonstrated faith just by bringing the son he demonstrated that he had to try something because his son was being tormented and he had to do something and so he brings his son. That in and of itself is an act of faith. Because if he didn't believe that something would happen, he wouldn't have wasted his time, right? He would have just kept his boy at home. But he showed an act of faith by bringing him. But the problem was the disciples couldn't do the job. Now what does that do to his faith? got to put a little water on that fire, right? It's got to squelch a little bit. He's come into the situation thinking, all right, this is going to help, only to find out that it doesn't. And so Jesus brings the disciples along and they say to him, Jesus, what's the deal? Why couldn't we cast this demon out? Why couldn't we free this little boy? Obviously, the disciples had seen it happen before because they spent a lot of time with Jesus and they had seen this happen. They had seen people that were demon-possessed be freed from these spirits. So they knew what it looked like. They knew what they were supposed to do. They knew the steps to follow. I'm sure that they knew exactly how Jesus did it and they duplicated it perfectly. They probably said the same words. They probably did the same whatever. And they thought, I know how to cast demons out. And I'm going to show this dad I can handle this. Only to find out. And so they get real with Jesus. They say, Jesus, why? Why couldn't we cast this one out? And Jesus says basically to them, because you tried to follow the formula. And there is no formula for following God. You have to learn to hear my voice. You have to learn to know me. You have to learn to have a relationship with me. And when we have a relationship, I will tell you what to do in every single moment every single situation in your life. In other words, you guys tried to handle this one on your own, and the results didn't work. And so I ask you tonight, have you ever really believed in, have you thought you knew what you were getting into, have you ever had that horrible feeling of knowing what you were doing, only to find out that you didn't really know? In the book of Romans, there's a famous scripture Chapter 1, it says, For I am not ashamed 
of this gospel, this good news about Christ. It's the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. Jews first and also Gentiles. And this gospel, this good news, tells us how God makes us right in His sight. And this is accomplished from start to finish by faith. For as the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. I am not ashamed because it is the power of God at work. I am not ashamed because it is the power of God at work. I have a confession to make to you tonight. I know you guys love it when I start off saying that. There's always, there's always something good, but my confession tonight for you is a little different. Many of you know that I was raised in church. From the time I was a little boy, I was raised believing in Jesus and going to church every week. And there's pretty much nothing that I haven't seen when it comes to church. I've seen loud church, I've seen crazy church, I've seen quiet and subdued church, I've seen all kinds of church. And for many years, I was involved in ministry. I was, I was trying to help people and I was teaching and I was, was leading people and I was doing what I did. But the confession that I have to make to you tonight is that somewhere along the way, I stopped believing in the power of the gospel to change people's life. I stopped believing. And the reason I stopped believing it is because I stopped seeing it work. I stopped seeing people's lives being changed in front of me. That was hard. I played the game really good. I went to church every week. I smiled really big. I played my guitar as hard as I could. I did everything that I needed to do to make everybody around me think that, man, this is great. Church is awesome. But inside, I wasn't seeing people's lives being changed. And I stopped believing it. In other words, when he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, I became ashamed of the gospel. I didn't become ashamed of being a Christ follower. I didn't become ashamed to live for Jesus or follow him. But I began to question whether or not God should really change your life. <laughs> it affected me really deeply for a long period of time in my life. I began to go through situations where, though I knew that God was real, I wasn't seeing the evidence. And you know why? Because I had begun to follow formulas. I had begun to follow the methods. I had become like Jesus' disciples, trying to cast out this important voice to And it wasn't working. You know why it wasn't working? It's because it doesn't take any faith to follow a formula. It doesn't take any faith to read a manual, follow the steps. There's no faith involved in that. I love to cook. And when I need to cook something, I did it this morning, gotta come up with a recipe so I can mix the biscuits and gravy. And I go to the internet and I pull it up and I see it. First thing I look for on that recipe, because everything on the internet is true, right? 
that's just given. The first thing I look for is I look for how many people have given it a review. And if this recipe's only had like two or three reviews, on to the next one, man. I want to see one that's got like 500 reviews. I want to know something that's tried and true. I want to know that if I'm going to spend some time preparing this meal, that somebody else has gone before me and has tried it first. Do you realize that that's what you and I do with our faith? You guys come here on Saturday nights and you want to hear me tell you how to get to know Jesus. You want me to tell you the steps. You want me to say, hey man, I've done it before you. You can trust me. Just do A, B, C, and you will walk out the building just like Eve. Everybody's going to have the same results if you just follow the formula. But Jesus says right here in this story, this demon's only coming out of prayer. That means I'm not going to tell you the steps. It's by faith. You see that scripture that we just said, that I'm not ashamed of the power of God, the gospel of Jesus. It's because it says it's accomplished from start to finish by faith. By faith. This last week, I was having a time to talk to somebody. We were driving to a job site. There's a friend of mine. He was telling me the story of how he had spent some time in prison. And he was telling me how, when he was in prison, he was so consumed with getting to know God. He told me he read the Bible front to back, I think he said like seven times. He said he just kept reading the Bible front to back and he would do it again. He was sending off to all these ministries and receiving Bible studies, and he was just reading book after book and just trying to do everything he could do to get to know God. He wanted to know God, and he was working it, man, and he was reading the Bible, he was doing the steps, he was doing everything he knew to do. But you know what he said to me this week when we were driving? He said that he came out and he didn't have any relationship with God whatsoever. Nothing. He said the last four months of hanging around with us has been the first time that he's actually seen what a relationship with God really looks like. I was blown away. Because if you were to ask me, hey, if you want to know God, Jason, is it a good idea to read the Bible? Absolutely. I'm going to tell you, read the Bible. The Bible's going to teach you about God. It's going to show you Christ. It's going to, absolutely. So to hear somebody tell me, he read it cover to cover, back and forth, back and forth. But somehow, never hit his heart. It never took root. It never became a part of him. It blew me away. And it hit me. The power of God is at work, but it's through faith, not formulas. And he was following the formula. He was going through the steps. He was saying, this guy told me if I want to know God, I've got to read the Bible. So I am going to read the Bible, and I'm going to go through it and back and through it and back. He didn't get to know God. He didn't know God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, Scripture says, examine yourselves to see if your faith is really genuine. Test yourselves. If you can't tell that Jesus Christ is in you, it means that you have failed the test. Examine yourselves. Test yourselves. 
In other words, take a sober look at yourself. Take a look inside and ask yourself, have I been following the formula? Have I been following the motions? Have I been doing the things that I see other people doing because I think that somehow that's the way to get to know God? My friends, it's by faith. It starts with your heart. And you can't do anything about it. If you think you can clean yourself up, if you think you can stop using, if you think that you can get sober, if you think that you can just finally say no to the things that you're struggling with, and somehow that's going to bring you into relationship with God, just quit wasting your time. He's going to take you as you are. And that's part of the humility. Because He won't take you if you're full of pride. If you think you can fix yourself, you're not going to get to know God. You can only come when you realize, I can't fix myself. That's where the relationship with God begins. You know, it's funny. When you and I get to know each other as humans, we always put our best foot forward. We always want to impress each other with, this is who I am. You're going to really like me, right? Do you realize that with Jesus, it's the exact opposite? We have to come to Him with our worst. We have to come to Him with our brokenness. We have to come to Him with our shame and our inability to manage our own lives. We have to come to Him and say, God, I can't stop doing what I'm doing. I can't say no. And if that's not good enough for you, then I can't do anything about it. We have to come to God and give up. We have to come to God and completely abandon ourselves and let Him have us. And that's where the relationship begins. One last scripture for you tonight. Romans chapter 8. Amazing verse. It says in verse 29, For God knew His people in advance, and He chose them to become like His Son, so that His Son, Jesus, would be the firstborn with many brothers and sisters. And then having chosen them, He called them to come to Him, and He gave them right standing with Himself. Promised them his glory. This scripture shows us some incredible things about our God. Incredible things that we need to understand. Because if we don't understand them, we will never be able to bridge the gap and have that relationship with God ring true in our hearts. The first thing that we have to understand from the scripture is that God knew us. He knew us before you and I knew Him. The Bible says that He knew us when we didn't even want to have a thing to do with Him. He knew us. He knew each one of you. The next thing it says is that He's chosen us to become like Jesus, His Son. In other words, that each one of us, though we're starting off in this journey in different places, the end goal is that He wants us to and that's God's plan to bring about a work of God in your heart and to change you. The next thing it says is that He wants us to have a family, many brothers and sisters. The Bible says that God brings us into His family, He adopts us into His family as His kids. And then the most beautiful thing it says that He calls us to come to Him. Come to him. If I were to ask you to look inside your heart right now, 
ask you the question, do you feel comfortable being close to God? Many of you would say, no, I don't. That's why you like coming to a place like this. Because it's big enough that you can just blend into the crowd. But you know what God says? God says that He calls you to come to Him. He wants you to feel comfortable being close to Him. He wants you to feel comfortable being near Him. He wants you to learn to be comfortable being in His presence. He wants you to learn to be comfortable getting close to Him. And you think, we think, but I'm so dirty. I'm such a freaking mess. How could God want me to get close to Him? And God says, I love you. Just come and be close to me. Let me change you. Let me love you. Let me protect you. Let me surround you with my bigness. And then the last thing, as hard as it is for us to believe, He promises us His glory. I'm going to have Brandon and Van come up here. And we're going to take a couple minutes Think about what we've heard. Think about what God is talking to us about. He promises us His glory. See, we've been talking about different ways that God shows us His glory and the way that He is and who He is. But the most amazing one of all is when God shows us Him through us. Do you realize that I am no longer ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of it anymore. You know why? Because I've seen God's glory in you. You have restored my faith in the gospel. Because when I met some of you, you were full of hopelessness. When I met some of you, you would not even look up. When I met some of you, you would say things to me like, Jason, would you please pray for me? Because God doesn't hear me when I pray. Some of you would say, I can't have a relationship with God. I'm so far gone, I just can't. And as God began to pour His love out on you week after week, it's all you would do is just come and just sit and just go, okay, I don't know what I'm doing here, but I'm just here. And as God would begin to pour His love out on you, piece by piece, He would begin to just open you up. Piece by piece, He would begin to show you who He was. Piece by piece, He would begin to show you His glory for you and to you. The most powerful thing that's happened in my life in the last couple years is to surround myself with a bunch of people like me that are broken and messed up and don't have a prayer in the world and would never fit in at most churches because we don't play the part well enough best thing ever happened to me is for me to take a hard look at myself and see how messed up I really was and to let God start changing me and changing you. If you're here tonight and what you've heard, what you've experienced kind of feels like, wow, I need to check this out and feel like I need to explore this a little bit more. This room, this room is literally full of people with worse stories than yours. I swear to God, you can't outdo the stories in this room. Don't leave here tonight without talking to somebody. The next five minutes of our time together, 
the best five minutes that I have ever seen week. By far, this is my highlight of the week. We take communion here every Saturday night. We come together with God in a way that is really intimate and really, really personal. Some of you here have never done this before. You've never, ever taken communion and you don't even know what it's all about. There's bread on this table and there's stations over here and over here. And in the baskets, there's bread. And there's a story in the Bible. The story goes that Jesus, the Savior of the world, was getting ready to die. And he sat down with his best friends and followers for the final meal, the last time. And he picks up a loaf of bread and he says to them, I'm getting ready to lay down my life. I'm not doing it because somebody's making me doing it. Do it. I'm doing it because I am willingly choosing to let God have His way. And I'm going to lay down my life 